Good evening, everyone, and welcome to uh, my blog talk podcast. I'm your host, Jameer, and this is Heavenly Places. Uh, the past few weeks, we have been going through the book, Manifest Destiny, The Path Towards Wisdom. Um, I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in. Uh, I'd like to thank Dorothy for having me. And let's open up in prayer. Father, uh, we thank you for your uh, your salvation, your grace and mercy. We ask you, uh, Father, to guide us this weekend, I mean, this, this evening. Um, lead me, Father, Lord, through your word. Open the hearts of the people who listen, Father, as we uh, learn how to grow closer towards you, how to pray, and um, how to wait on you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> okay, everyone. Uh, this evening we are talking about knowing how to wait or knowing to wait um, on the Lord. And when I uh, think about waiting, actually, I, <clears throat> a lot of these chapters, I go through uh, different passages. But in this particular chapter, I actually thought about uh, before the uh, world, before Adam and Eve partook of the tree and ate the fruit. And I thought about uh, how the world was cursed and how, we you know, what happened with uh, that man's body was uh go to dust and that uh, all the prophecies that were proclaimed by the father during that but one thing that is uh, often overlooked is uh, the process of waiting because I believe uh, something happened uh, during when uh, they partake of the fruit and the land became cursed that uh, the time as we know it no longer worked in harmony with man and uh and also, man, our days became limited. So time, in a sense, became not really an enemy of man, but a hindrance, hindrance of man. Um, when we look at the dictionary definition of time, we see that it says it's a period or interval, you know. Um, and as we look at it, look at uh, how time was measured, you know, and, and the past, they used the, and then we still kind of do today, but uh, time was measured by the rotation of the earth, you know. So, like around in the 1960s, man began to use the pendulum to measure the time to the very minute. So, the one the thing that goes back and forth, they use that. And now today, actually in Colorado, they use uh, atoms to measure time. And as the atom vibrates or ticks, it gives off. Uh, actually a vibration of light and each one of those vibrations represents a nanosecond you know so that's even more specific measurement of time yes in all these different ways we have to measure time uh, time is still kind of mysterious you know when you actually think about time you can begin to think about it because guess what time we can't touch time but we can feel it slip away. Um, the clock can tell us what time has passed, but they cannot tell us what time it is, you know. Even the, uh, you know, the great scientists of our day, they still debate the question. Because even uh, if you're familiar with Albert Einstein, he concluded that the past, the present, and the future he says that they all exist simultaneously. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. It could be true. Um, I don't. I don't know what that is. But getting to the bigger picture, we see that time is really simply a tool that is uh, under the authority or the power of our Father. You know, so. Our Father, who is eternal, and he's actually beyond time, he uses time to funnel and to execute what is already done in heaven. So everything, is everything almost kind of what Einstein said was true about the past, present, and future all existing simultaneously. But in eternity, that, that's, I believe that's the case, but 
time is what the Father uses to uh, funnel with an eternal eternity to this temporary place that we are right now. If we look at it that way, then we can kind of understand what Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says. It says that all the promises of the Lord are yes and amen. Um, sometimes you may uh, go to a church service and you might hear someone uh, a teaching on that uh, everything that the Father has already done is already done, <laughs> basically. Everything is already done, and that's because, but even though it looks like right now that some things are not done or some things are not complete in our life, but in eternity, everything is already done. And this is where we get to waiting in this time because we actually have to wait for things from eternity to develop within time. And if you're familiar with seminary school, uh, theologians, they actually refer to this as uh, dispensations. So they believe that our Father operates, in, and I do also believe that, that he operates in, in dispensations where certain things happen at particular times during uh, the state of the earth. So I believe he arranges events, people, and other spiritual elements, and they funnel through time. Um, of course, I believe he can do all this as one, at one time if he wanted to, but I believe it is us, mankind, who is not ready to receive the full revelation of our Father, you know. And I believe our Father, he... Uh, he can be compared to a photographer, um, especially a photographer maybe about 20, 20, 30 years ago. They uh, used dark rooms and uh, the dark rooms to develop the photography. So I remember when I was a photography student, we would take pictures from one of those SLR film cameras and we took it into a dark room and once we were in the dark room, we were able to remove the film out the camera because if we took it out and it open, the the uh, camera would get exposed because of the light, you know. So we had to take it into this dark room, and we would mix it up with uh, different chemicals. And it was uh, actually several chemicals uh, that we used. Um, and also we used a photo enlarger. We used uh, wet environments, drying, and then fixing stages. It's all these different stages they use to develop these uh, for images in a dark room. And after you do all of that, you will have a perfect image after the process of going through the dark room. Now, if you try to mix all those chemicals together, like the uh, the thick the uh, the chemicals that bring out the colors with the ones that that uh that uh removes the um or with the ones that, that is used for fixing if you do that together then it's going to mess up the image so we have to do it in processes or stages you know so because we want the image to, to develop correctly and it's basically all a waiting game when you are in a dark room but it's, it's very fun now these days they have digital cameras so you don't have to worry about any of that um but at the end you know you get uh, your desired result. And now, and it's basically waiting, waiting. And that's what we're talking about, knowing to wait. So just like a photographer, which is our father is, I believe, he's waiting. But also we ourselves, we wait. And the Bible has many, many stories of people who have waited for different things. Um, as you're familiar with the preparation of the Last Supper, Jesus told his disciples there will be a man carrying a jar of water waiting for them. That's uh, in Mark chapter 14, verses 12 to 26. So we had a man who was carrying a jar of water waiting for them. Um, Elijah stood on the mountains waiting for the Lord to pass by in First Kings chapter 19, verse 11. Um, I like to say the waiting involves what I call the three W's, waiting, Waiting and more waiting. <laughs> so that's that's what waiting seems like, you know. Even in manifesting our destiny, which, which this uh, book was focused on, there is what we have is a, a season of waiting. <clears throat> if we uh, look at waiting 
as a hindrance, especially when it's uh, something that the Father is working through us, you know, we uh, can miss the purpose of what waiting is. One of the most common scriptures about waiting is uh, comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. That's Isaiah 40, verse 31. Very popular, famous scripture. I've seen this on T-shirts, bumper stickers, you name it. It says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, I want to focus again on the word wait. And we're going to look at uh, actually the Hebrew word for wait, which is uh, <clears throat> kovah, Q-A-V-A-H. That's Q-A-V-A-H. Now, this word, it has a, a two-layer revelation. Um, the first revelation is that to wait is to look for or hope or expect. So to wait is not kind of like just sitting around, um, kind of like, you know, banging your fingers and all this kind of stuff nervously. But it's to this, uh, in the Hebrew, it actually means to look for, to hope, and to expect. Is this how we wait? As I'm speaking of us, is this how is this something that we do or something that we practice? Do when we wait, do we expect? Do we are hope, or are we very critical when we are waiting for the Father to do something? I mean, are 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 we critical? And I know I'm not I'm not far I'm far from perfect from that, you know. Um, and First uh, Samuel 13. First Samuel chapter 13, we have Saul. And Saul, basically what was going on, Saul had just been crowned king, and he would soon be tested. So one of Saul's sons, he basically acted foolishly by attacking, attacking a Philistine outpost. And expecting trouble, Saul, this is what he did. He assembled an army at Gilgal, and this is all in First Samuel 13. And the Philistines, they kind of responded. They gathered their army and came against the Israelites to fight, you know. So Saul had been directed by the prophet Samuel. He said, do not do anything until I arrive. So this is what uh, Samuel had told Saul. Now, Samuel, we know that he was a prophet. And he was coming actually to bless the battle by offering uh, a burnt sacrifice. And and Saul waited for the time set by Samuel. But, <clears throat> excuse me. But we can tell that Saul did not wait with hope, but he waited with despair because um, basically his men kind of sensing that King Saul. Called despair, they began to what? Some of them began to flee in fear. Uh, they lost courage. Some hid in the caves, and some hid in the uh, surrounding towns. You know, because they was waiting. But I believe, like whatever King Saul was feeling, that the, the, the despair and the waiting on with with despair and fear instead of waiting in hope and expectation, it kind of affected the rest of the man. And Saul was actually waiting, and he waited till the seventh day. Actually, but when the when the seventh day arrived, and Samuel was nowhere in sight, Saul basically he he took matters in his own hand, and guess what he did? He offered his own sacrifice to the Father. And uh, Saul knew that Saul he knew that unless a sacrifice was offered, that they would face certain defeat. You know. And just when Saul had finished offering, guess what happened? Guess what happened? You guessed it. Samuel <laughs> Samuel showed up. And basically the rest of the story was just as he finished making the offering, Samuel, Samuel arrived and Samuel went out to greet him. And he said, what have you done? And Saul's response was, when I saw that the men were scattering 
and talking about the scattering, and you did not come at the set time, and the Philistines were assembling, I thought now that the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. And again, that's all recorded in First Samuel chapter 13. And I believe that for each one of us, you know, what we can learn from this story, that there's a destiny and purpose for all of us. And sometimes it can be right around the corner, but if we don't learn what our Father means with it, when He when He says wait upon the Lord, then we will be like Saul, and we will lose our appointment with destiny. We, including myself, must learn how to wait. Abraham, I mean, it's full, it's full of scriptures. Abraham also had to learn how to wait because uh, neither his nor Sarah's actions were perfect as they waited on the promised son, but they eventually got their act together and they received the promise, you know. Um, also, Noah, we see uh, very familiar passages in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, the Lord saw how wicked the earth had become. Um, if you think about the time now, like just think about some of the most corrupt areas that you can think of right now. Some people think that Wall Street, that's corrupt right there. Or the Vatican City, some people say that's corrupt. Or Chicago with all the shootings, that's corrupt. Or maybe even your neighborhood, that has, you might live in a very horrible neighborhood or somewhere overseas, you know. But they, their neighborhoods and all these things that we're talking about, I believe they were nothing compared to what was going on in Noah's neighborhood, you know. Just imagine how Noah must have felt. I mean, this town was wicked, so wicked that our father, he said it was necessary to destroy the earth completely. He wanted to wipe them out because it was so bad. But when we read about Noah, it should inspire us and give us confidence that in the midst of all that chaos, Noah survived. And not only did he survive, but he strived. He was the last righteous man in the world that had become corrupt. Uh, Noah must have witnessed the world grow even more corrupt in his lifetime. And surely in the midst of his daily activities, he was waiting for the response of the father. Um, just, I mean, just think about what, what he may have been thinking about, waiting for our father to destroy all the wicked people. Um it's easy, you know, when you read read this passage of, to think about Noah spending time waiting on a rain, you know, because actually, after all, Father told him that he was going to flood the earth. So was he? Was, I don't believe he was just. I mean, he was in a sense, but that right there was probably something secondary or thirdary. He was thinking about it because when he was looking at all the corruption, you know. Um. But uh, our Father, he actually gave him know what instructions to uh, build this ark during this time um <clears throat> and i often wonder so what, what was noah doing during this time while he was building the ark you know was he uh complaining you know <laughs> or maybe he was trying to hide hide you know going through the woods or whatever through the community trying to hide you know um maybe he even prayed to the father that he would take him away and his family like uh, his grandfather, because we know his grandfather was Enoch. So maybe he said, hey, we're going to be caught up and taken away. Maybe we can be raptured out of this place, you know. Either way, I believe he was waiting for the father to do something. Um, scripture, it doesn't really talk about what was happening in the mind of Noah. And as he was waiting, you know, <laughs> it's just something, something that uh I was thinking about, I mean, just thinking about it in our mind and how we should, we should respond, you know, 
when we watch the evening news, we can observe all the injustices going on throughout the world. I mean, we see kidnapping, murders, rapes, um, orphans and wars and rumors of wars, you know. And I'm sure many of us are wondering, um, Father, how long are you going to let all these things go on? I mean, what, what's going on, you know? Um, actually, even Habakkuk, Habakkuk, the prophet, he wrote a, he wrote that in his own day. He said, how long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. I cry out to you. <clears throat> and it's violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong dealing? Destruction and violence are before me, and there is strife and conflict abounds. <clears throat> Therefore, the law is paralyzed, and justice never prevails. The wicked him and the righteous, so that justice is perverted. And that's Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Um, basically, Habakkuk is just basically saying, what, what's kind of like, what's going on, Father? What are you going to do about this, you know? Um, <clears throat> so now we're getting back to Noah and I, I don't know I don't, from scripture I don't believe Noah actually said any of those things when he was here waiting maybe he, he did I'm, I'm not sure but uh, scripture says that uh, Noah was perfect and he found favor with our father um, and I wonder okay what did he do to earn such a reputation. Why was he called perfect by the Father? This is where I believe our second revelation of waiting comes in. The word kava and not only means to wait and ex in an expectation, but it also means to bind together. It means to bind together. Kuva. So uh in Jeremiah three seventeen um, at that time, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord, and all the nations shall gather together, or it's that word, kuvah, together, to the presence of the Lord in Jerusalem. They shall no more stubbornly follow their own evil hearts. So this gathering, you know, it's not like the people who, who gathered, um, kind of like around the New York Times, but this gathering is, is referring to people gathering in one accord, coming together with a single purpose. So uh, let's, uh, at the beginning, I mentioned that Isaiah 40, verse 31. So let's let's look at it now with a different set of eyes, actually with uh, within the Hebrew words, with that in mind. Um, but those who bind together with the Lord shall renew their strength. Those who bind together with the Lord shall renew their strength. But what does that mean? That means that you're not just waiting on a father, but guess what? It means that, I'm sorry, it it means that you're not just waiting on a father, but you are waiting with him, you know? And when when you wait on a father, guess what? And this way, you're becoming one with him. It's as if uh, your father, our father, is weaving or engrafting you into himself. And this was what I believe was going on with Noah as Noah waited. Our father was engrafting him into him. He was making him become one with him. And we know our father, what he is perfect. And that's how Noah, I believe, was able to be perfect in the sight of the Lord. So the time of waiting created a perfect union between him and the Father. You know, we often sometimes, you know, we can we can meet our best friends where we when we're waiting. Um, I remember when I was a student, I met uh, a gentleman. His name was uh, the name Brian, and we we were waiting together to uh, register for classes, and this is before a lot of the technology that's out now, but it was, it was waiting in the line for a pretty <laughs> a, a good amount of time. But during that time, we were able to form a brotherhood. This guy was from a, a whole other state than I was in, than I was from. But though at the time, we didn't realize what was happening, but 
during the times of waiting and our ties over the years, you know, um, from that from that moment right there that we were able to go on several mission trips together. We went to Texas, Atlanta, and we become spiritual brothers. Um, we together, and actually my son calls him uncle. <laughs> and and uh, his children are my nieces and nephews, you know, because we we are or there for each other and we're able to create that sort of brotherly bond, you know. So understanding, waiting, in this way, it brings another dimension to many other stories in Scripture. Uh, one of the stories is Daniel. Y'all know Daniel. The prophet Daniel sent the request to the Lord, remember? Daniel had a vision of a great war, and he wanted to know the meaning of this dream. And Scripture says that for three weeks, Daniel waited on a response from our father. And during those 21 days, our father was unifying himself with Daniel. Daniel yielded to him by abstaining from choice foods, wines, and lotions. And his yielding allowed the father to intertwine with him. Actually, that, that whole, whole uh, story actually is recorded in Daniel chapter uh, 10, you know. Second uh, Chronicles uh, 7.14 also talks about waiting. It says, if my people who are called by not my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. <clears throat> In other words, our Father is saying, if my people will strive to become one with me, all these things that follow will happen. Healing the land, forgiveness of sins, and our Father hearing, you know. Um, and I believe instead of our Father, you know, waiting on his people, you know, our Father um, is becoming one with us. When we become one with the Father, you know, we know that people from Scripture says that people are healed. The land is healed, you know. Um, so many wonderful and miraculous things happen, you know. I, me, myself, I come to realize that our Father is not waiting, you know, until our knees are dirty and in pain, you know, from bowing down in prayer. And he's not waiting to see how loud our stomachs are growling because we're fasting. He is always ready to answer our prayers. Our Father, you know what? He desires to manifest himself. His desire to manifest himself is greater than your desire to see him. Yet saying it in that same breath, you know, why do we deserve to see or hear from our Father if we can't learn to wait on him? You know, learning to wait, you know, it's, it's something that uh, we all should do in practice, you know. Actually, in a, a position that I work in, um, an e- example of me uh, waiting is uh, <clears throat> uh, I uh, – actually, I'm going to get get to that one later. I'll get to that one later, you know. Um, Habakkuk 2.2. Actually, I want to go there. Habakkuk 2.2. Habakkuk 2 2 says, uh, For the revelation awaits for a point in time. It speaks at the end. It will not prove false. Though it lingers, wait for it. For it will certainly come and will not delay. That's Habakkuk 2 2 says, For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks to the end and will not prove false. Though it lingers, wait for it. It will certainly come and not delay. Um, that scripture actually says a lot. It will certainly come. So we look at uh, Matthew chapter 8, verses 15 through 13, is a story of the centurion. And the centurion came, the centurion came seeking a healing for his servant. And he told Jesus, I am unworthy for you to come to my house, but just send your word. And Jesus responded by saying, I have not 
found so much faith. That's in Matthew chapter 8, verse 10. The centurion practiced waiting, you know, as he waited for his uh, servants to come home, you know, and bring the report. And during this waiting, you know, he was, I believe he was waiting in certainty, you know. Something else that stood out to me, uh, and it's uh, Habakkuk 2 2 is, uh, I'll read it again. Though it lingers, wait for it. So, wait for it. It will certainly come and not delay. Now, how are we to understand this idea of something lingering but not delaying? Doesn't that seem like two different things that are opposite? It's lingering, but it's not delaying. It's uh, sort of like the flood, the story of the flood. So we see our father, he responded to the corruption of the world by telling them, I'm going to put it into all people on the earth that's filled with violence because to them, I'm surely going to destroy, I'm surely going to destroy both of them and the earth. And that's Genesis chapter 6, verse 13, NIV version. The thing that was not delaying was the judgment or you can bank on it. So the judgment, it was going to come. But the lingering part of it, in this case, the lingering was all the years that uh, Noah had to build the ark. And I believe in that lingering time that I, I believe the father was kind of having a mercy time, a time of mercy or, or grace where not only did the, the ark could be built, but a chance for a man to repent and turn away. And some people say that was the lingering time was 120 years. Many scholars believe that, that from the time that the father told Noah to build the ark until it began to rain, it was 120 years. So I believe that was a chance for them to turn around or at least some people to turn around, you know, and during those 120 years as Noah and his sons built the ark, I, he, I believe he probably faced many obstacles. I'm pretty sure people were discouraging them. They was watching them and mocking them. And they was like, oh, 120 years. I mean, such such years, and it still ain't nothing happening yet. But that was a time of lingering when the Father was giving them a chance to repent, you know. And another case of delaying and uh, lingering was when Daniel, he, of course, we talked about it, when he waited for the three weeks, you know. Um, the answer was already on its way, as Scripture knows, but there was so that was uh, no delay, but there still was a lingering going on in there because the enemy was interfering with our father's response. You know, it says uh, when the angel finally arrived, Daniel was told that three weeks of spiritual battle had raised on. In Daniel chapter ten, verse thirteen, it says, "But the prince of uh, the uh, the prince of Persia resisted me twenty-one days, and Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me." Because I was detained there, detained there with the king of Persia. So, in the case of Daniel and Noah, during their time of waiting, they were both were becoming one with the Father. Um, one of my uh, another one, one of my favorite scriptures of uh, someone who was waiting, and they was waiting for waiting with expectation, like that the Hebrew. Q-A-V-H, Cueva, was Simeon. Um, if you're familiar with uh, Luke chapter 2, it says, uh, describes Simeon as righteous and devout, and Simeon waited for the Father to send the Messiah. Actually, he was waiting for the consolation. The scripture says, consolation of Israel, you know, and the Holy Spirit had promised to Simeon that he would see that before he died. And I just wonder. I'm just wondering. Simeon was a pretty old man. I wonder how many years was he waiting with great expectation, like that he wasn't going to get to see the Savior die, but he was going to get to see. He was promised to see him born. And also, what's amazing to me is that a lot of times theologians say that that uh, there was a lot of silent years in Scripture, but I believe the father is always talking to people and those who are willing to become one with the father that he will speak to you no matter which season or time it is, you know, he will speak to you. Um, <clears throat> let's see. 
Let's see where I'm at. So this promise that uh, Simeon had is just something that we should should uh, look look uh, in our own lives, you know, and analyze that and how we can do that in our own lives, you know. <laughs> um, I once uh, heard someone pray the following prayer. Oh, Lord, I know you will help us, but will you please help us before you help us? <laughs> They're like, Lord, I'm, I know you're going to help us, but please help us before you help us. The challenge in the meantime is uh, the distance, basically, you ever heard of it, like the distance between point A and B? So when you're in a period of waiting for the promise, a lot of times we feel in a state of, of, of powerless, being powerless. Being in a state of, of waiting places, you know, you're in an environment where you're like a child, you know, you're dependent on someone else. Mm. There were many times in my childhood when I was waiting for something to be promised and it and it didn't happen, you know. Once my aunt told me that she would bring my cousin over for me to play with the next day and they never came, you know. They came, of course, another time, you know. But... With great anticipation, I was waking up. I took a bath and I cleaned up, watched my cartoons. Lunch came and I knew it was time for them to come. I went outside on the porch. I was listening to the sound of the cars drive by. And every time a car was driving by, I was like, okay, this is them. This is, they're getting close. This is them. You know, I didn't have a cell phone or anything like that. We didn't. That was before they was popular. Um, only the, the well-off people had those types of things. So we just had to wait for someone to show up. They began to pass, and then some went down, and the rest basically is history. They never came. It was a promise unfulfilled, you know. But just think about that process, you know, of waiting. Sometimes, you know, our father, you know, for some reason, it seems like he waits until the last minute, you know. And during that process of waiting, sometimes we can become discouraged, especially when a lot of time has passed and the promise has not happened. Actually, Proverbs 13, verse 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Um, Such heart sickness can make you weary or even cause you to be sarcastic about the promise. Um, Remember Sarah, she actually laughed. Like, ah, when the the Lord came and told her that she was going to have a son, she laughed, you know. And to me, I believe that her faith, I believe because in Hebrews it says she was actually in the Hall of Fame, but I believe that her faith was hidden or that her faith became buried by time and by fear because all the things that had happened. Fearing that the promise would not happen often causes us to bury what our Father gives us. And when we bury those promises by saying, Oh, Father, I know you can do this, but will you do it? We, I believe that uh, when we begin to, uh, it's kind of like sort of like we repress the promise so that the promise won't hurt us when it doesn't happen when we believe it should be. Um, in the parable of the talents, this is what happened to one of the servants. Actually, if uh, Matthew chapter 25, verse 24 says the master gave talents large quantities of money to uh, to three of his servants. And when they returned, each one had produced some results except one. Except one. It says in Matthew chapter 25, verses 24 to 25, then the one who had received the one talent came forth and said, Master, I knew you were a demanding person and harvesting where you did not plant and gathering where you did not scatter. So I feared I went off and buried your talent in the ground, and here you can have it back. Instead of investing his talent, he buried it. And he actually accused the father, the master, of being harsh. He even said basically that you're you're lazy, father, (laughs) and takes credit, and you take credit, father, where you don't deserve any credit. He said you didn't plan it, but you take it. And basically he was accusing the father. In reality, it's not the father who's lazy. It's us. Yeah. This servant, the servant was a lazy one, you know. 
Now, the other servants, they were willing to invest time and effort into growing their talents while he was not. We must not bury the promise our Heavenly Father has given to us as we wait. We should not let the worries or the issues of life bury the word or promises that our Father has given us. Don't let them choke, um, brothers and sisters. Um, Don't let them choke with the master gardener. Our Father, you know, has placed within you. In times of waiting, I encourage you to grow closer to the Father through prayer, fasting, worship, and studying the written word. And during this time of focusing in on the promises, you know what? I believe that's when our Father begins to reveal things. Um, Something I do is uh, I print off a picture, you know, I found on the internet or when I'm waiting for or I write a story about how I feel after receiving the promise, even though I have not received it yet, you know, I'll, I'll write these things or I'll print them off so I can have visual things. That, that's what uh, the father did with Abraham. He said, count the stars. He said, uh, count the sand, you know, those were things that Abraham could look at and see visually to remind him of the word that was given to him, the promises that were given to him, you know. Um, and these things are, are little things you can implement, you know. It doesn't have to be a picture or something you write. It can be a wristband or, or whatever it is you might have, something that means something to you, you know. Um, this uh, next scripture, actually, I want to talk about is, uh, but it has to do with waiting, is Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. It says, and therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious unto you, and therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are they that wait for him. Now, the creator, he's the creator, our father, and he is a creator of everything that is known that's good. And he's waiting on us, you know. Um, actually, when uh, I graduated from high school, uh, me and my friends, we had combined funds to rent a limo for the night, you know. And after the graduation was over, we said our goodbyes to our teachers and classmates, Some of, most of them we never seen again. But we sat in the lobby and we waited for the limo, you know which was already 30 minutes late. And my sister asked me if I need a ride, and I was like, no, we have a ride. But we were confident, you know, that the limo would arrive shortly. And um, guess what? The limo, they came, actually, (laughs) no, the limo came, but guess what? The limo was already there, but we didn't see it because it was all the people there, the cars and the taxis and all this kind of stuff around, the limo was already there waiting for us, you know. And I believe that's how the Father is. He's already there. He's waiting for us. Like it says again in the scripture I said earlier, Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people will humble themselves and pray, that's the Father talking about, hey, I'm waiting on you guys. I'm waiting on you guys to do something, you know. Um our fathers desire anything these things sometimes we look to uh the government like the health care system the uh prison system the even the educational system the uh to do something okay we need or to pass all these laws and legislation which is which is fine i mean I'm glad we that we have a free government where we can do some of those sort of things, but I believe that we um the initiative, actually, when you look at the original prison system, the rehabilitation system, or even look at some of the, the uh, original colleges and universities on campus, I mean, in the United States, like Harvard and Yale, these were all Christian organizations started by men. The prisons were started because they wanted to rehabilitate people who were lost in society. But guess what? They eventually turned that over to the state and let them take over it. And look how the system is now. And the uh, 
educational system. I can't remember which one it was, but Harvard or Yale, one of them or Princeton, I can't remember. One of those Ivy Leagues was founded first, and when one of them started to stray from the uh, godly Christian principles, then they, the, one of the people on the board, he left and started one of the other Ivy League schools. Um, but I'm pretty sure all of them now, they're, they're not what they're, what the, the founders uh, have originally attended, intended, you know, um, for them to be. Um, but we, you know, as uh, believers, as children um, of our father, we need to place ourselves in a position of waiting because I believe uh, our father, he, he uh, the time, basically the time is ticking. And I believe the, the clock is ticking, ticking, ticking faster and faster, you know, toward, toward the time. And I believe uh, just like the groom and the bridesmaids, you know, when they was uh, preparing, I believe the time is getting closer and closer where he's, things are not going to be delayed any longer, you know. They're not going to be delayed, and they're not going to be lingering, you know, even though that is doing it right now, but it's going to happen immediately and suddenly. And uh, we have to do what? We have to be like Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27, that we might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such things, but that we should be holy and without blemish, you know. Some I believe uh, the world, you know, is very corrupt, as you know. But I believe that uh, we, as believers, we are to be uh, getting the world organized and getting the world together. We are to be preparing the way for Him to come, because uh, this world that we have, even after the uh, the war of Armageddon. And all these things, we're still going to be here for the millennial reign, which is another thousand years. So I believe right now we're in the beginning of those stages where we're actually preparing ourselves to, to literally clean up this world, you know, with even like with the, the people who recycle stuff. Our, our father is, is the the most awesome recycler that you ever known. You know, he recycled, he recycled it. He didn't throw us away to the trash when he could have, you know, but he um, bring the, his son down here to the earth and redeem redemption. That's what recycling does. When you recycle these things, you're trying to redeem it so you can continue to get value out of it and not just leaving everything to go to waste. So I believe he wants to do that in little things from uh, plastic bottles, but most importantly to people, to our neighbors to our brothers and sisters and to ourselves because we are very valuable and precious in his eyes, you know, far more than the plastic bottle, far more than an animal and a fish or birds, you know, like to save the well. I believe those things all have their places and the people who value plant mice, they all do have their places, but they should never be put above the value of human beings because we, um, are made in the image of him, you know, actually in Genesis says that he, he, um, he blew, he blew into life, the very essence of our father into us, you know? So, um, we're, we're basically his offspring, not, not these other creations that he, this here on this earth. You know, we are very unique is what I'm saying. So I want to challenge you to, in closing to just, uh, prepare yourself, Prepare yourself to be a bride without spot and wrinkle and whatever it takes, whatever you need to do, um, you get yourself ready <laughs> because he has something great and awesome for you to do. Um, uh, Dorothy, are you there? Hello? Okay. Um Yes, I'm here. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I tried to mute on my phone instead of the studio. I thought it would be faster. Evidently not. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, the main the main thing is that on this waiting is that uh, we have to. Uh, I believe our Father, He's waiting for us. He wants He and He wants during this process to uh, to graft ourselves together and become one with the Father, you know. 
um, I just want to encourage everyone to uh, to keep on reading <laughs> the written word of of, of uh, our Father, to keep on fasting, to keep on praying, to keep on worshiping, and do whatever you can that is godly, that is good, you know, to uh, to grow closer to the Father and get rid of these things of the world so we can prepare ourselves to meet them uh, during this process of waiting. Yeah, so um, I'd, I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in again this weekend. And I believe next week is actually the uh, last chapter of it. So um, if anyone wants the book, again, I still have the book. If you want to um, order the book, you can order it on Amazon. Uh, you can get the ebook. Or you can email me and I will mail it to you for free. My email is uh, drmirj at gmail.com. That's D-R-M-E-R-E-J-A-Y at gmail.com. Or you can also visit my website, www.jameer.org. Thank you for tuning in to Heavenly Places. Um, I'll close out this evening with a prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your grace, and mercy, and salvation, Father. Um, Teach us, Father, how to be patient. Teach us how to wait upon you, Father, Lord. And uh, not just waiting like like we're twiddling our thumbs, Father, but waiting on you and and growing closer to you, Father, Lord. Knowing your voice, oh, Father, Lord. Seeing your footprints in our lives, oh, God. You're, You're the very hand, Father, in our lives, Father. I thank you, Lord, for saving our friends, our family, our loved ones, and drawing those who are listening to you closer towards you. Give them dreams, visions, revelation, and insight. Heal them from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet in their spirit, soul, and body. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jameer. That's such an important <laughs> lesson to learn about waiting because, I mean, we do have to do it a lot. You know, so yeah. we might as well learn how to do it properly. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I know a lot of times when when I am waiting, I go into prayer or I look around to see if anyone needs prayer or see if the Father wants me to do anything while I'm sitting there twiddling my thumbs, you know. Uh. So. Yeah. So. Thank you for that. That was such a good lesson. I hope everyone enjoyed that and got the whole point. Um, It's a lovely study. Um, And I want you all to have a good week. We'll see you next week. The final chapter, that's Manifest Destiny. Yes. Isn't it? I can't believe you're almost there. Wow, this year's gone by fast. (laughs) Yeah. So that'll be good, too. So thank you so much, Jameer. You have a good night. All right. Thank you. You too. All right.